I'm Jamie and I'm Charlotte and you're listening to With With Relish. The sun is shining, it's a Sunday. It was terrible weather yesterday so it's really nice to see the sun. Yeah, it was fucking shocking driving up to Auckland yesterday yesterday from Hamilton. It was my tiny little cute car was swaying on the fucking road. It was terrifying yesterday. Mm. I walked to my pole studio Mm. uh, and I had this big umbrella and I literally had to use the umbrella like a shield but I was walking into the rain because if you don't live in New Zealand, rain in New Zealand goes doesn't go down, no. it goes sideways. Yeah. It goes horizontally straight at you into your face. Like it goes around the umbrella and then comes up. Yeah. It like it doesn't go down. Physics. You have to hold your umbrella straight out ahead of you or behind you or to the side, depending on which way the wind's blowing, because the rain does not come straight down. Yeah. It's and up. I was literally getting pushed backwards by the wind. Good times. So we, I'm staring out the window. It's a little overcast, but it's so sunny and amazingly bright and just, oh, what a dream. It's I've lovely. missed it. I've missed it. It's lovely. So we are on episode five of season four. Four. I know. Uh, Kiwiana Foods, mm. sharing some of our national delicacies because we've talked about a lot from overseas. So we thought we'd share ones that might seem strange to you guys. And today, I'm going to tell you about a drink that's world famous in New Zealand. Ooh. Lemon and Pyroa. Oh, amazing. A fizzy beverage commonly known as LMP. Yay. Now, unless you've lived in Aotearoa or had the dubious joy of visiting a cold supermarket in Aussie or eating at Gourmet Burger Kitchen in the UK, <laughs> the name Lemon and Pyroa probably doesn't tell you a lot about this drink. So let's break down the flavour profile, shall we? Do it. We'll start with the lemon part. Everyone knows what a lemon is. Yellow, football-shaped citrus. Mm. Generally pretty sour. Simple, yes? Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep, Everyone, gotcha. Everyone's Following. got lemon. But then we have the pyroa part. Pyroa is a small town in the mighty Waikato. Uh, it's the self-proclaimed antiques capital of New Zealand. Home to around 6,000 people a good number of white Hilux utes, and a recreational drug problem. And a giant fucking bottle. Yeah, I was going to say, and an LMP bottle. Actually, two giant LMP bottles, mm-hmm. one at each end of the town, just in case you missed it the first time. Love it. Uh, so not quite as simple a flavour profile as lemon. Now, as a kid, I would have said the flavour of Pyroa was the taste of the town. Like, if you licked the road and added lemon, yeah. it would taste like lemon and Pairoa. As an adult who has lived in a small village near Pairoa, I would say if you licked the road, it would taste like meth. <laughs> LMP history says the flavour is naturally effervescent mineral spring water with lemon juice. It's, yeah, yeah. Science says the flavour is carbonated water with mineral salts 504, 500, 170, Food acid, flavour, and sugar. <laughs> the LMP Facebook page says the flavour is good lemonish stuff. Ah. I say the flavour is kind of average lemonish stuff. It's, but hey. Yeah, like uh, like for me, LMP is um 
it's it's lemony but it's different it's like a dirty lemon taste it's it's a very strange flavor to me yeah i wouldn't say if i didn't know what it was mm. i don't think i'd drink it and be like yes this is lemon flavor yeah i'd be like this is a little weird and confusing yeah it is confusing and it's like when i when i think about it like there's the drinks that it's we've kind got of kind of like lemon soda tasting kind of like lemon lemonade you just you know taste like lemon lemonade it's lemon. Then you've got things like Lyft, which is like really like kind of artificially lemon. fake lemon. Then you've got like lemon and pyro, which is kind of in the middle. And it's... It's just weird. It is weird. When you think about it, it's not a very distinct flavor. It's it's like an old-fashioned dirty lemonade. Yeah, like it doesn't taste like lemonade to me at all. No. But yeah, it kind of tastes like baking soda. And, and maybe a bit of ginger beerish kind yeah, of. Like, little bit. I, I don't it's know. Quite it's quite strange. It's so mm. hard to explain it. But at least it's a drink with history. Mm. In 1904, sorry, there was a pause because I accidentally scrolled way too far on my document. It was like, oh God, where did it go? <laughs> Technology. Uh, in 1904, government balneologist A.S. Warman reported on the mineral content of the spring water that would later provide the pyroa in lemon and pyroa. He noted that while it was valuable for medicinal purposes and made a great table water, he wasn't sure anyone would go to the expense of bottling it, especially with the large amount of tea which was drunk in the colony. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which, fair, we're both drinking tea right now. We are. And not mineral water, so... Fuck the mineral water. Fuck mineral water. Give me a nice honey and sun's Paris tea. Yes, please. Not sponsored, but if you're keen, uh, slide into our DMs, honey and sun's. <laughs> Smooth. It's the only DM I want. <laughs> Just slide on in. We want food DMs. That's the yeah, only dirty, the only DMs. dirty DMs we want. Send people... me a picture of your tea box. Yeah, exactly. Send me a picture of what crisps packets you'd like to send me. Yeah. <laughs> he observed that the Paroa spring water is good for dyspepsia and pleasant to drink, and in older times had the reputation amongst the gold miners of the district <laughs> as a Sunday morning drink after a Saturday night burst. It I'm can just... be beneficial for constipation. Are you actually dead serious? That is from the report, in quotes. I feel like it would bubble through your intestines. Maybe so that's it might why displace the, some bacteria and things. So maybe it's the Poops. minerals. It displaces the poop shoot. Please never say that again. I will. Displacing you know I will. Shoot makes it sound like you're taking the whole organ out and moving it. Just like squidging it around a bit. You're disgusting. <laughs> Get out of my house. Get out. Leave. Please stop. <laughs> to go from that into an adorable account of the Pyroa Spring from an early European pioneer mm. in uh, air quotes because... It's it's problematic. <laughs> Not sure pioneer is the right word, but uh, uh, colonizer. Yeah, colonizer. In 1905, uh, who wrote, The chance discovery of a spring of mineral water in a cow paddock near the confluence of the Hinamuri and Waiho rivers, known as the junction, there's mm-hmm. now a cafe there, by the way, mm-hmm. was followed by frequent visits to the hole in the ground from which palatable water could be obtained for the taking. Ooh, palatable water. That was long before anyone thought of commercialising the product. The writer and his lady friend, I love that he's referring to himself in the third person as the writer. (laughs) 
struck upon the happy idea of taking a lemon or two in their pockets, once again third person, and adding lemon juice to the mineral water anticipating the future use, that delectable refreshing drink, Pairoa and Lemon. Pairoa and Lemon was enjoyed by some of the early residents of Pairoa to quench the thirst and on occasions to relieve a bilious attack. Oh my god. What a load of cod's wallop. <laughs> this guy and his lady friend. His lady friend. His lady friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever Not that just is. a friend, a lady friend. I mean, he was banging her. Yeah, but they couldn't say that because she would have been socially ostr- ostracized. Exactly. Ousted um, as a whore. Yes. Slut! Absolutely. Um, so over the years, the land was the land the spring was on and the right to bottle the then Pairoa and Lemon mm-hmm. uh, was bought and sold a bunch of times, which I won't elaborate on because it's really boring. And at some point, the brand name changed from Pairoa and Lemon to Lemon and Pairoa. Mm-hmm. But no one's sure when. An advertisement in the local newspaper, the Hauraki Plains Gazette, in 1947 displayed both names. So clearly they were not sure either. <laughs> They're like, can't remember which name we're using, so we're just going to put them both in. I mean, the lemon in Pairoa has a much more... It rolls off the tongue. It smooths off. Yeah, exactly. It's smooth, but like also you instantly kind of get more of a feeling of what it's about. Lemon and and Pairoa. Whereas Pairoa and lemon just sounds a bit weird. I always thought that lemon and Pairoa was made from lemons grown in Pairoa and water from a Pairoa river. That's what I always thought growing up. See, that makes much more sense. I literally thought that they tried to bottle the flavour of a town. Just, I, like, licked a building. We're which, like, yes, recreate this. Which I think is also quite hilarious and funny. But, like, <laughs> I genuinely thought you only got lemon and Pairoa from lemons grown in Pairoa. No. And pai- that there was a Pairoa river that they bottled and used no, it that. it was the Pairoa spring. Mm. But the lemons could be from fucking anywhere. It didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. But even back when it was first bottled in 1908, mm-hmm. lemon and was a knockoff because the neighbouring town of Tiaroha had already been bottling Tiaroha and lemon for 19 years. Are you serious? I'm fucking serious. 19 years. That's ridiculous. But they stopped sometimes, sometime in the 1960s because people realised the natural Tiaroha soda spring water mm. had been replaced with regular town water. And oh. no one wanted to pay for that shit. Right, right, right. Uh, but by 1969, very soon after, mm. Lemon and Pyra was also just regular water with minerals added. <laughs> but apparently no one gave a shit because that's still selling. Um, and I reckon that we forgive it because someone figured out that it's not bad mixed with Southern Comfort. Mm, yeah. It's like the only reason we keep it around. Pretty much. So, Lemon and Pairoa has been produced in Auckland since 1980. Okay. And it's said that continual checks are made between the spring water and the imposter water <laughs> created now to make sure they taste the same. So, rather than just getting water from the spring and shipping it to Auckland, which they originally did when the factory moved, mm. they now just get regular Auckland water, add minerals to it, mm. carbonate it, and try and make it taste like Pairoa spring water. Yeah, exactly. Charlotte's just narrowed her eyes and she's sighing deeply. My puzzled face is 
puzzled. <laughs> it's puzzling. And the hilarious thing is, because the public don't have access to the real spring anymore, mm. because vandals kept smashing the cast iron pump in the little public water kiosk, what which is typical pyro behavior, yeah. honestly. Classic. How the fuck would we know either way if it tasted like it or not? We've got nothing to compare it to. No. No. Um, so we could all be deceived, and it might taste nothing like Pyroa Spring Water. Um, and in case you're still wondering, the original Pyroa Spring is still springing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fenced off from the public, and the water now runs from a concrete pipe into a nearby creek. Charming. So they didn't even be like, hey, we're not using it, we'll just open it back up again. They're like, nope, we're not using it, but no one can have it. That's insane. It's water. It's fucking water, guys. Um, fun fact. There's an urban legend that the giant Pyroa bottle was originally a replica rocket ship. Built during the space race of the 1960s, mm. the model rocket was the star of Pyroa's 1967 Christmas promotion, mm-hmm. where the theme was Pyroa rockets into Christmas. Oh my god. Uh, one of the men who built the bottle says this legend is absolute bullshit, mm-hmm. and that the rocket was dismantled and the seven meter high Lemon and Pyroa bottle was built in 1969 from concrete rims, concrete rings, timber, chicken wire, and plaster. Yeah, that's, see, that makes sense because I've touched it and it is. It's like a mixture yeah. of. Um, um, so, yeah, people materials. kept saying that they'd taken the rocket ship apart and rebuilt it into this a bottle because it's a similar shape. Right. But this guy's like, nah, it was there, mate. Didn't happen. It's a, it's been a bottle it's from a, It's day a different one. thing. Yeah. It's just a bottle, man. Yeah. Not a rocket ship. Just a bottle. Mate. Chill as. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, no. Yeah, now. Um, so wow. It's lemon and pineapple. That's so interesting. Yeah, like I said, like, I I grew up thinking that, like, lemon and pineapple was just this thing that they'd combined f- and, and that all of the materials came from this tiny little town. And I just remember no. thinking how sweet and, like, cute that was. No, it's not even spring water. None of it is made in Pyroa now. That's – it's kind of sad to think it that is. none of it's made in Pyroa. I Pyroa-a. feel like it's deceiving because it's still called Pyroa, but there's no Pyroa in there. I guess Auckland like, and Lemon didn't sound as good. Lemon and Auckland. Lemon and Auckland. No, it um, doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, so if you've tried Lemon and Pyroa, please let us know what you think it tastes like because – I'm just not sure. Yeah, and I feel like it's that classic thing that we send to people overseas or, like, take to people who are, like, guests, like, Whitaker's chocolate and, like, maybe some merino socks and some pineapple pineapple lumps lumps Mm. and some, uh, like, a can of um, lemon and pyroa. Yeah. I have sent lemon and pyroa to people in Cuba. Have you? Yeah, I don't think it got there. It never made it through customs. It got stolen. Oh, no. I sent them a whole box of, like, New Zealand food. Apparently just never arrived because their customs is real dodgy. Fucking hell. That's so shit. So there was there was some guys drinking lemon and pyro out there being like, what the fuck is this shit? What is this? Yeah. How funny. It's probably real fizzy. I bet they opened it. just went everywhere. Yeah, it's probably been, like, it was probably, like, Shaken shook around up. a bit yeah. in, a, in the box and, like, fizzed up. And then they just got this bomb that arrived. And were like, we don't have any bomb. <laughs> just fizzed up in their face. <laughs> That's what you get for stealing people's mail. Exactly. Assholes. Asshole. Um. So, speaking of assholes, I'm going to dive straight in. And today we're talking about white bait fritters. 
Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. And this took a really I learned oh, so much about this, Jamie. I'm I, not okay with it. I learned no, and you know what? After reading this, I'm not okay with it either. Were you previously okay with it? Previously, I grew up eating white bait fritters oh, when I was little. I cannot do it. It was a thing my grandma... with eyes is on my list of food that I don't really want. Well, the thing is, is that when it's cooked, you can't see the eyes. They're gone. The They're so the tiny. Point. You can't see them. But I, I get it. And I... I also don't like sardines, though, so it's... Fine. Mm, it's yeah, fine. no. The, yeah, it's the little bones for me. The little bones. Um, oh. No, it's not, not a nice time. But yeah, no, I grew up eating white bait fritters. I grew up eating a lot of seafood, though, like my father's side um, and my grandma. Like I'd go up there for Christmas holidays and stuff. And yeah, we'd eat kinner and mm, pepes. My little and... sister's dad um, that used to make power fritters and mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I ate power fritters, but I don't remember ever being on board with white bait for some reason. I was just like, nah. Yeah. Power's always just looked and tasted like salty mushrooms to me. Yeah. Just looks like salty mushrooms. And mushroom. once it's in a fritter, you're like, eh. Yeah. It's in a fritter. Exactly. So good. So, um, uh, yeah, I learned quite a bit, actually, about white bait fritters and white bait in general. Um, so first things first, white bait is not a species. It's a collective term for the baby sprats. Oh, so it's a lot of different kinds. Yes, ah, correct. Okay, I thought it was one kind of baby fish. So did I. So kiwi whitebait can be any of five species oh, from the freshwater Galaxidae family. So-called because of the patterns on their skin, which resemble a galaxy of stars. Oh, that's really cute. When they're fully grown. So whitebait is the sprats. Like the, the immature fish. fish of these species, which then grow up to have these this galaxy pattern Aww. on them. Yeah, yeah. And it's cute. So those five species are called Inanga, Banded Kokopu, Kuaro, Short Short Jaw Kokopu, and Giant Kokopu. I'm hoping that I fucking pronounced that correctly. Um I love the fact we can't even pronounce shit from our own country. <laughs> And it makes me feel better about all the times I mispronounce shit from other countries, though. At least, yeah. At least we're consistent. We're trying. We're trying. Um, Inanga make up most of the white bait catch here in New Zealand. So usually if you're eating a white bait fritter, it's going to be that species. Um, but they are a couple of inches long. And they can be really, really hard to tell one species from another because, because they're, they're so tiny and they all pretty much look the same until they grow up. So did you know, fun fact, white bait hatch and then they spend the first 12 weeks living in the ocean. Okay. And then it is their return to fresh water that we usually see white bait for the first time, like growing and like swimming upstream. That's when they're caught. So we oh, catch so white bait from the, from saltwater to freshwater. They're freshwater fish when they're adults. Huh, that's really interesting. So they spawn and they they grow up. They've spent that first twelve weeks in the ocean. Oh, interesting. And then it's on that return to the freshwater, Double which is where they live out their adult lives, and they go through into the they go through the ocean into freshwater rivers oh, that lead to the ocean. And that is when the white bait season is, yeah. is getting them on that journey, which is. I believe, from August until November sometime. Crazy. So it's a very short window. Um, they're really, really cute little fish. 
they are almost translucent and they have a little forked tail and they're actually like really sweet and it makes me sad um white bait fishes white baiters hunt for them using a handheld net to lure them from the riverbed, which I had no idea about. I thought it was a little bit more commercially. I imagine some places it probably is. Yeah, it's a notoriously difficult fish to catch, but obviously worth it because of them profits. Those controlled sized handheld nets are constantly tended to, so you can't really wander off and hope for the best. It's like a very um, like prolifically quite hard to do it. Yeah, and it's hard work. Um, and the, the season is very limited. Fish. Yeah, yeah, it's a very small season. It's very limited window that you can get them, like mid-August until late November. Um, and competition for the best fishing spots is super high because it's freshwater rivers after all. Yeah, so like a lot of space. Exactly, and numbers are really limited. So because of these reasons, whitebait is also, when it's being sold, the most expensive seafood in New Zealand. Um, I remember going to a whitebait fritter caravan that was up near Waiwera. You know, oh, yeah, you know, I remember up, that one. Yeah. yeah, and, like, up near there, um, there was this little white bait fritter seller who would, you know, you know, I think she... I think Make she, white bait fritters. Well, I think she probably had white bait fritters, but I remember there being other seafood, like fresh oysters oh, and yeah. things like that as well. Um, and, yeah, it was just, like, pricey. I remember it being quite seafood pricey. Seafood expensive. Yeah, and after doing a little bit of a look around... Wholesale prices were around 60 to 70 per kilogram, and retail was about $140 per kilogram. It's like up there with lobster. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of money. For Underrated. Like, Could yeah. be a wonky steak any day. Yeah. So you're probably wondering why all this effort for a teeny fish yeah, that's mixed yeah. into a batter of eggs, butter, salt, pepper, and lemon juice. I am wondering. Whitebait has a really delicate flavour, which is easily overpowered with strong flavours, hence those bland ingredients that it gets mixed with. But from what I remember, it's a very creamy, delicate experience that is kind of unheard of. Like, you kind of don't get that with anything else, and it has a very gentle, non-seafoody taste and smell. Okay. Um... We have the White Bay Capital here in New Zealand, which is down on the west coast of the South Island. That's Hokitika. Oh, yeah. Hokitika. So, yep, White Bay Capital and home to weird and wonderful festivals like the Wild Foods Festival. Oh, my God. If you go to that, you can eat horse salmon. You can. It's a milkshake. Oh, there's more. Would you get a shot of it? Like a protein shot? But some of the stuff that I've heard people eating down there is fucking disgusting. You should go. We should go. I'm not getting anything. You can eat everything and I will just watch. <laughs> we should go. We should go. We should, we should video to... everything. Yeah. If you want to see okay. us, go to the Hokitika Wild Food Festival and eat some shit that is guaranteed to make me vomit. Uh, go to our Give a Little page. Yeah. And find us to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And just watch me cry as I have to eat things like horse semen and hoo-hoo grubs. <laughs> Um, down in Hokitika, they, there's also the an actual white bait festival, which is held during September. Okay. Um, now, for the slightly more ugh, sad, gross part of the story, I feel like it's a bit of a moral obligation <sighs> to mention this since we're on the topic. 
Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm not, but yeah, okay, go. Okay, white baiting is a legally fixed and limited time period. Good. It's managed by the Department of Convers- Conservation. The, 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 the Department, Department of, of Conservation. I mean, it should probably be called we that too. We should start the Department of Conversation. Yeah, so the we'll Department of... The Department of Conservation. Um, the timing of the allowed fishing season is set to target the most common inunga, which is that species yeah, I was so telling you about. fishing the less common breed. Exactly. While avoiding the less common species that mainly migrate before and after the white baiting season. So there is really strict control over net sizes and rules against blocking the river or channeling oh, yeah, fish into the net. You take like, all of them out. Exactly. To allow to like some fish to reach the actual habitat so they can fucking grow up and, and keep breathe. making babies. If, I hate to break this to people, but if you eat all the babies, you don't get any adults, then you don't get any more babies. That's how reproduction works. Totally. And the the, the sad thing is that there is no control over how much white bait no. you can actually take in this window of time. So and there's control net sizes. Shit tons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a spin-off article from 2018 that I found actually told me that four of the five white bait species are considered threatened due to declining oh, numbers in our streams. Maybe because we eat, keep fucking eating their babies? Exactly. Yet, because of really weird legislation, we're still allowed to catch and eat a declining species, which That's I find ridiculous. super fucking weird. It's fucking ridiculous. A kiwi is a declining species. Yeah. We don't catch and eat that. No. A tuatara is a declining species. We don't catch and eat that. Why is this baby fish so different? Because people are obsessed with it for some weird reason. Uh, predictions. Like just calm the farm and stop eating all the baby fish I know, and greedy fuckers. It's not worth it. And if you're the people catching them, like, calm the fuck down. Make your money some other way. Yeah. Then, like, exploiting because you're going the to environment. Fish your income to nothing and then you'll have no seasonal income. Exactly. Um, what I found really sad was predictions mentioned that uh, four of these species will be extinct by 2050, including That's the most common species me. that we catch and eat. So I feel like a lot of things are going to be extinct <clears throat> because people just don't seem to understand. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, it's, and like, while I was thinking about all of this, I was like, it's definitely a, at the point now where it's a, um, it's like a vote with your wallet kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's happening. And in order to actually stop overfishing this poor baby fucking fish, that's a declining species, um, we need to give them time and actually like concentrate on, um, things like sorting the water, sorting the waterways, and another thing that I didn't learn about was that we deforest stuff, yeah. And then there's no shade, and apparently yeah. these baby fish they need, need the shade, shade to, s- otherwise they get burnt by refraction through the water. Exactly. I feel like a lot of people who buy it probably don't realize that there's no limits. Mm. Like I thought that there was a limit set mm. on how much you could no. take. No, I thought it was like kinna or power. No, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, while white bait might taste really yummy because I have eaten it before, a fritter or two is probably not worth it to enable future generations to still actually have this fish around and to, I don't know, not fucking just eat a whole pile of baby fish to extinction. Not destroy the environment that they'll be an important part of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing it does. It's a bigger conversation because we're eating them. The things that would normally eat them in the wild can't eat them. And then the things that normally eat that can't eat that. And it's a whole rollover effect. Exactly. So yeah, very interesting. And 
Um, I, I actually came across a company that is trying to be a like a sustainable white bait fishery. Oh yeah, like a white bait. And farm. it's more of like a um, it's like a sustainable. It was called Manaki. And oh, I've they, heard about them. Yeah. Yeah. So Manaki is a sustainable white bait fishery, and they do it in a way that you can actually get white bait year round because of yeah. the way that they do it. So yeah, I feel like it's quite that, interesting. If you want to eat white bait, go through something like that because mm. just don't go around eating species that are on their way to being endangered. And that's the thing. It's like if if this was. Like, like is it that it's declining. It's like a declining yeah. species. And if you think about it, what else is a declining species? Put it, put all of that into the same funnel and then be like, well, I wouldn't eat a kiwi. I wouldn't eat a tuatara. I wouldn't eat a kokako. I wouldn't eat. So why am I eating whitebait? Why am I eating whitebait? Like it's a baby fish in the ocean. Why does that make it any different? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Interesting, though, eh? Interesting. I didn't Interesting. know so much about it. Like, yeah, it was very... I find it baffling that there's not limits. That's crazy to me. Mm. Yeah, so um, that kind of wraps up what I wanted to discuss today. Um, and huh. I wanted to also just let our audience know, our listeners know, that um, With Relish is growing. And it expanding. More of you, and we're very excited about it. I know it's really cool and it's really Thanks exciting, and it's slightly anxiety-inducing. But Jamie and I have actually decided to uh, move the podcast to a new platform. So over the next sort of few months, we're going to be making those changes, making the process as smooth as possible. Um, and we're going to be doing that. So basically we just want to, while we're getting everything set up, we just wanted to let you guys know that we will be changing. You won't have to do much different. Like if you're getting your podcast from your favorite pod places like Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio, iTunes, iTunes, um, not a lot is going to change, but if you do subscribe to us via our RSS feed, that's the part that's going to be changing. And as soon as we have the new home of our baby, we will be able to let you know so that you can make that really quick switch to make sure you're subscribed to the new home, basically. Yeah, so we'll let you know when that happens. It's very exciting. Yeah, um, we're, we're looking all... to do a big kickoff in September, yeah. but it might take a little bit longer. We're, as we, you know, we're not tech um yeah we want to make sure everything is ready and goes smoothly exactly uh, we're also taking expressions of interest from sponsors we're in discussions with one at the moment so if you have a business or you know a business that you think our audience would really love to know about mm-hmm. please slide into our dms or our email or get in touch via facebook and we'd love to talk to you yeah or if you're a brand that's listening and you would love to have some ads going or you want us to talk about a product on one of our shows let us know we would love 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 to chat with you as well we are quite picky though because we're not going to talk about mattresses yeah um <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's got to be relevant. It's got to be something that we would actually use and support and that we would recommend to our listeners. So Absolutely. if you do hear ads in future episodes, know that they are ones that we have selected. Yeah. And they're products that we actually have use. tried and used before we talk about them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um it's prime 
retail space yeah. and we don't want to fill it up with shit because we're both Quite in the, well yeah and like we've both got you know marketing backgrounds and we both I, I mean I work with a lot of influencers yeah. and I'm in the world so I the last thing I want to do is be inauthentic to my stunning community that takes a long time to build you don't want to fucking just ram shitty ads down people's no. throats it's and not my jam hear those what those ads will be paying for or those sponsorships will be paying for will be things like new microphones yes. because we've had some microphone issues yeah and equipment and hosting so we can keep delivering the your fresh servings of food history and profanity exactly because shit the bed we don't want to be can you with never say that again shit the bed please never say it i no please don't it's happening <laughs> You know it will. I don't like it. But you saying that makes me want. But you saying that makes me want to say it even more. I don't like it. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe. Come say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Send us voice messages on Instagram. Tell us about your favorite foods, and we will catch you on the next episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye.